podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Talking Cop. Well, maybe not a good evening. Uh, evening. How about instead? It's a post-match show hosted by me, Matt. I'm joined by Goldie and Kev O'Sullivan here. We're going to try to pick through the bones of what finished at Anfield. Liverpool, nil. Manchester United, nil. Uh, I mean, Goldie, I'll come to you on this. Let's see if you have any uh, you know, good describing words for this. Gick, gunk, garbage uh, was kind of my takeaway. None. And uh, the problem with I think today was multifold, regardless of the performance. It's like uh, you went somewhere, had the best night of your life ever, spent 12 months thinking about getting back there. And no matter what you try to do to calm yourself down, you walked into it expecting the best night ever. And it turns out the venue changed ownership. And it is just, you sit there waiting. Yeah, look, there's nothing to talk about. We didn't lose. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And I'm on the drink because of them. So that says it all. Well, I, we can all start with that. Cheers to everybody. Cheers. As we, uh, Merry Christmas. We start, yeah. I know Kev's got There you go. That looks much better. Look how delicious that looks. Uh, as we start to run into confirm. Christmas, uh, try to keep some glad tidings around everybody before... Uh, Everybody loses their heads when we go through the game. Kev, how's your head? Lost? Firmly attached? Oh, I'm frustrated after watching it, like everyone else. Disappointed in a few of the performances. But any of the post-match shows we've done in the last four to six weeks, we could kind of tell that this result was coming. That the performance just wasn't there in the final third again. And... You know, Harvey bailed us out in the week. Um, we've had a lot of resu- results where it's papered over the cracks, like the Fulham win. Um, we were pretty shite against Sheffield United, got a win. This was always a case for me that if you, if we had any kind of a performance, what we know that they're capable of, we'll steamroll them. And I was convinced of that right the way through up until about 15 minutes had played. Hmm. And it was, we were sat there, I was just sat there watching the same game on repeat for the last five, six weeks. And it it's sickening because it's against them. But the fact that you dominated the game, they never looked like they were ever going to threaten to score. I never felt like we were going to drop three points in the game. But that's more down to how the back four and Endo and even the midfield three were in the final th- in the the back defensive. three and the yeah the defensive third and the midfield third off the ball worked really hard got the ball back in good areas. It was the final third. And Chris messaged me there and he's 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 dead right in what he was saying. He's like, it's either it's Salah or bust at the minute. You know, if Salah's on it and he does something then it drags everyone else into a performance. But if Salah's not on it, then the other two don't look like they're going to do jack shit. And it's it's a problem. It, it, Darwin's misses over the last few months were all, all well and good lapping him off when we were um, 
when we were picking up three points or we were picking up wins. It's it's games when he doesn't have much of a chance, but you need him to do something and he doesn't. That's when the frustration really kicks in. And Samuel's spot on there. Jota badly missed today. And look, we'll get through it in the game, but yeah, ultimately, oh, so frustrated. So frustrated because they were they had absolutely no interest in playing football at all. They had no interest in trying to win the game. It was pure survival mode from start to finish. And we just couldn't find a way through. It was the most frustrating game of the season to watch by a distance. It was it was certainly that. I mean, I think uh, obviously we usually uh, start with the lineups here. And I'm going to go to United's first because you said that, Kev, like they came out strictly not to get embarrassed. Like not even just don't get beat, but don't get embarrassed. And they yeah. settled into it fairly quickly. And Eric Ten Hag has caught pelters from not just fan media, but from like the mainstream media for not really having a game plan or anything like that. And you got to give it to him today. They had a game plan. The yeah. players stuck to that game plan, and they absolutely nailed it. I I think he's a piece of garbage and not a very good player, but Anthony put in so much more defensive work than I was ever expecting him to yeah, today. Yeah. You know, not getting all the way back, but just getting back and putting pressure on Simicass and not letting him take his requisite uh, two, three touches on the ball. So, I mean, they went with Onana and Gold, Dallow and Shaw as the fullbacks, Evan and Varan as the center halves, Amrabat and Manu kind of at the base with McTominay as sort of a floaty 10, Anthony on the right, Garnacho on the left, Hoyland up top. About what we expected from them, we go with Allison, uh, Trenton Simicast, Ibu and Van Dyke. So uh, Gomez on the bench. Uh, Kanate goes again after getting the start in midweek. Sabasly, Endo, Gravenberch in midfield. That was kind of what I was thinking it was going to be. And Mo, Darwin, and Diaz up top. And I mean, you looked at the lineups. I don't know. I will, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Goldie, but I was obviously quite bullish coming into the week. Things felt like they were going to go our way. The lineup drops this morning. Looking at it, going, "Hey, I like that. You know, this this is falling in our favor." Like. Before the ball had been kicked, confident? Yeah, I, I to be honest with you, I, I agree with Kev and been has been remarked that we're sometimes negative about what Liverpool have been doing. But I we haven't set the world on fire, top of the league, so we were getting it done. Uh, so I think any of 18 players could have started. And going on what we've watched, because look, we watch United and... Should have it felt like it should have easily at least outworked them, uh, had the legs on them. Uh, it, it just felt like we were playing somebody who was bottom of the table. We decided to put seven at the back, and it, because something didn't happen in the first 15, maybe they were thinking about it. The crowd went quieter, and just everything became too anxious, or just the decision making just seemed to gradually get worse. And you were just hoping somebody would pull something out. But I no, there was a, not even in hindsight a turnaround and say somebody should have played instead of Diaz drove me up the wall most of the day, but that's just me. So I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did. But no, there's there was not there's nothing that United, because that's who we were playing, have done to suggest Byron should have been probably a pointer that they were going to try spoil or not get hammered but the bottom line is it's our job to figure it out and god knows we have the names for it and it just it 
no, it didn't. So I had no problem with the lineup. Anybody could have went out there today, it felt like. Uh, I don't think in hindsight, I oh, should have played, should have played. No, it didn't. Like In fairness, it got a bit better towards the end. But I, I nobody kind of made me think, oh, Jones should have started. Gomez yeah. should have started. It was what it was. And the bottom line, A, it's points dropped. Frustrating after City. But you also know that they see that as a massive moral victory. So it says a lot about how we didn't offer much. And uh, yeah. yeah, long day. Yes, yeah. Anthony Gray here, he says, the first 15, 20 minutes was excellent, but we just couldn't finish. Seems to be a trend. And I mean, Kev, uh, partial opening of the new Anfield Road upper finally after a mm. series of delays. 7,000 extra fans uh, joining the uh, the chorus at Anfield, bringing it up to 57,000. I think there's another 4,000 seats yet to come online in the next couple of weeks or yeah. months, something like that. But the atmosphere on my feed sounded great. And I mean, Chris, Anthony, both of them said started well. We came flying out of the traps and it looked like it was going to be good. The crowd was raucous. And then it just kind of petered. Yeah, for the first 10 minutes, we were right at it, in their face. Uh, won the, kept winning the ball back high up the pitch. Did everything you want to do at home. Apart from, I don't think we put enough pressure on Onana um, by way of forcing him into saves. We did everything else. It was really good. And then slowly but surely, they got into their shape. We got into our shape of attacking. Of trying to trying to to build and sustain attacks, and it just looks ponderous. This uh, inverted roll that Trent is doing is a double-edged sword. Yes, we dominate the ball. We don't give up chances through midfield. We're very very hard to get at, but we're losing so much of what he offered on the right hand side. By not having that threat wide on both wings, is um, for me is a massive detriment to how we're try- how how we play and how we have been playing for the last few years. And Sabaslai, to me, is um, you know great start, brilliant start. We saw flashes of what he what he can do, but this is the hard yards now. You're into December, the middle of December. Games are going to keep coming. And he just looks like he's not um, hes not kicking on. You know, he's, he's doing the basics and that's it. So I think that him and Sabaslight and Trent are trying to occupy the same position on the pitch too much when we're trying to build attacks. And it's all too narrow and too congested. And against more sides who play with a narrow back four, and a narrow three in front of that, it's um, you're relying on moments of brilliance. You know, you're relying on a quick one-two around the edge of the box to work. And when that doesn't, you've got no way of off of nobody out on the right hand side to be able to whip across in. You have to work it all the way back out to the left for Costas to try and whip one in. And it's just slow. It slows everything down. And it makes it so much harder. When you've got a, a side with the likes of Evans and Varane, who are you know dripping with experience, they might not be able to move. But if you're not making them move, they don't. They'll just sit in their sit in their box, heading everything away. 
because they know exactly where to be. Their positioning today was brilliant. Yeah. But it was easy for them because they didn't have to do anything different. They didn't have to do anything different or difficult. We made it so much easier for them by the way we were trying to build attacks. It was banging your head against a brick wall because it was the same for the entirety of the first half. You know, got close, had riddles of corners, loads of corners. Nine. And, nine. Yeah. Had a force forced a couple of saves out of Anana as well. You know, and it was like, that's fine. When you get your corners, you you want your centre backs to be able to force to do something. That's all you can ask them to do. Yeah. But at the same time, if that's not working, you have to have the option to go short, try something different, and we just didn't. I think it was our fifth corner by the time we decided to put an in-swinger in to test the keeper. And he's a, he's a flapper. Like, Why did that wasn't the first corner and the second corner and the third corner is beyond me? It's weird. But I don't know. I, I just think we're, for what you're gaining from Trent defensively being in the middle of the park, you, I think we're starting to see now we're losing a bit too much on the right-hand side when Sabozla is not at it that you're losing too much from Trent being stuck in the middle of the park with no one to hit. It, it's mm. it's getting to be annoying. Yeah, it's. I think a lot of this comes with like what Centurion LFC says here. He says, Sabo was clumsy throughout the game. Him and Salah were out of sync from early on. And I mean, it's been undeniable that Sabo Salah's, you know, he started the season burning very brightly and then he's been going through a rather dim period here for the last two months it's got to be now the year's just absolutely flying by but like if Trent's going to cut inside he needs to be providing that option around the outside whether he's overlapping Sala or making that underlapping run and allowing Sala to play that little side pocket pass that Mo likes when the when it's either Darwin or Sabasly earlier in the season would make that run across the back of the defenders to keep on side and Mo would just slide that ball into him kind of akin to the one for Gakpo's goal in the 7-0 last season um yeah I we had a flurry of corners there for a while i mean four or five six corners in a row darwin takes his absolutely silly yellow card and i uh, for anybody else that's persisted with darwin in their fantasy premier league is, do we bail now i mean we'll we'll have to have a little chat about darwin nunez later but it was just like <laughs> of course you're taking a yellow card for absolutely no reason in the 20th minute of the game uh and then yeah it was the 27th minute goalie it was our seventh corner uh Virgil van Dyke rises up, gets finally gets a good head on after seven attempts. We get one where we make decent contact with it. Right at Onana, allows him to make an easy save. And then the following one, Kanate, free header, heads it well over. And for having, I think we ended with 13 corners in the game, maybe yeah. 12. Those were the only two we really troubled from. Yeah, they <sighs> Uh, who wants to end up being a set piece team? You know what I mean? We're trying, we're looking around for things to talk really? about. I know. Okay, Kev. You, but they, they count about, the same as 30, 30 goal screamer, know, 30 yard screamer. They count the it's same. Like, I'm not even looking for 30 yard screamer. It's just we're down to talking about how many corners we got, which says a lot about what was happening on the pitch for me. Anyway, mm -hmm. I found our crossing the entire game. It was, the, it was, it was like uh, Groundhog Day. Same cross, same result. They're back seven. I mean, it, normally you keep doing something because you're getting a line of encouragement that you're even making the second ball. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I think as much as it pains me, Amrabat needs uh, 
an honourable mention because he was tidy enough. There was nothing going to be coming in from the right. I just found the left-hand side. Uh, it wasn't necessarily out now, Tim McCaskill. It's just... We just kept doing the same, same thing over. And it felt like, as a throwback, like watching Jack Charlton kick out days, where you take 150 of them and a bounce will result in one of them falling in an odd way. I didn't, there's not very much positive as I read football to start talking about corners. You know, the biggest chances of the game to me came around the 70th minute. And it, 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 it not picking on him. It was such a sweet strike, but why he went for such an exaggerated version of it with Trent, but corners and everything. I never, I never thought anybody was towering in there. We had Canate, we have Virgil Van Dijk, and Nunes, who should by his height alone. And I don't remember any of them. And you're right. He, we should have been putting them on top, and the kid he spilled. But the one time he spilled in the first half, it was just turned into ping pong, and we put it out wide. So yeah. I have to drink here. <laughs> yes, I I mean, it really, I had it marked down in the 13th minute, Kev, when I said Man United are settling now. They're very compact without the ball. And then within 20 minutes, it's just like, boy, we're not even creating anything of danger. We managed to get both of their center defensive midfielders in Minu and Amrabat on yellow cards. Yeah. And then just, I don't know, they sailed through the rest of the game. We didn't really put them under pressure, which is something we are really, really bad for doing. Uh, and then at the end of the first, I, I mean, before we get to the end of the first half, we get the first two of, I think it ended up being three Darwin Nunez offsides for no apparent reason. He's He's got a, he's got a bit of an issue with just not being aware that the defending line is pushing up and there's a comment here from uh, McGlinchey that says the offsides again today. Darwin got cut out silly ones because they are playing higher teams since they know he can't read a line. And again, more Ten Hog credit. He obviously yeah, had it, them pushing up to draw us offside. It's annoying because the thing is, he's quick. He doesn't need to be offside, especially in those positions, because if, even if you're level, even if you're ahead of the center back, He's not going to turn the further, the closer you are to the halfway line. Virgil can pick that pass over the top. So can Trent. Mm -hmm. And even if you're ahead of Evans or Varane at that stage, they're not catching you in a foot race. So you want to encourage them to be higher. So it, it's just laziness is the only way you can put it. Not is not being aware of the situations that you're in. Um, you can call it what you like, but at the end of the day, his job as a number nine for Liverpool is to fucking create chances and put the ball in the back of the net. And if you're not doing one, you've got to be doing the other. Yeah. You know, if you're not put, if you're not scoring, you've got to be creating chances. If you're doing neither, then you're taking up the space for someone else to come in and do it for you. You know, he started off the season really well, you know, and he was getting chances for fun, scoring goals. You know, he's, I think he's he's. All competitions are seven or something like that, but he's been on those seven now for a good while. And it's just dried up for him. And the the, the injury to Jota has shown that and with Gakpo playing on Thursday night, he was always going to start. So where's the pressure coming for him? You know, and, and you know, is he too comfortable in his own skin? Are they are they sniffing themselves too much? The fact they're top of the table, and they're getting all these plaudits. 
they think they're better than what they really are. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't mind the attacks coming down from the left-hand side because as a forward, at least you know if Costas gets the ball out of his feet, he's putting the cross in. It's yeah. the same cross every time, which makes it fucking easier because it's easier to read. You know the trajectory of it. You know the height of it. You know where he's going to try and land it. So as a forward, you have absolutely no excuse. And the one thing that Diaz did well in the first half was running at players and committing players. And he got um, your man booked for it. Yeah. And then it stopped. Then he stopped doing it. Why? Why did you stop doing it? And it got into the second half when, when he tried to do it. He may as well send a, send a telegram as to which direction he was going to cut in with. You know, I'd read Straight it. across I'm the 50, middle of the pitch? I'm 51 years of age, and I'd read it. You know? It's like you, you have to be better. You know, I mean, as bad as Manchester United are, and they are horrific. They are. They They're are. the worst Manchester United side I've seen Ever. since the Atkinson days, since the Ron Atkinson days. And but I don't care who you are, if you're a player, they're I think eighth in the league, and your sole intention is to keep clean sheet, there is very easy to set up to do that. If you can't, if you don't, if you don't move them around, and we never moved them around, we didn't move the ball quickly, we didn't recycle the ball fast, we won the ball back in really good areas. Our second mm. press was brilliant, forcing Onana to kick wide. It's his first time to Anfield with a crowd. Anfield is narrower than most pitches, so it's telling that a lot of keepers the first time they come to Anfield, they kick it out of bounds because they over they overcompensate. So we were winning the ball back in their half quite a lot. But then when we got it back, we were going back through Endo, going back through Virgil, going back through Canate, and looking to rebuild it again. But it was possession for the sake of possession. We weren't doing anything with it. And the worst thing is, we could all see it. And I think that's why the crowd was flat, because they've seen this script. They know how this game plays out. They've seen this game a lot this season. And you're just hoping that off the bench the changes will affect the game. And for the majority of the games that we've played this season, the bench has affected the game to where we can win it. This time, I mean, we got into the second half, no changes came. But I think when the changes came, it affected the game. The game changed and we got better for it. It just couldn't get it over the line. But it was telling that the certain changes that we made made a big difference to how we were able to attack. And that, to me, seems like we, we don't need to be doing this on 70 minutes, bringing on Joe Gomez and telling him to stay and play as a right-back and stay wide and be a right-back and get up and down the line. We need to be starting games with someone doing that. If it's not going to be Trent, it needs to be Domo. And if Domo's not doing it, hook him and put Harvey out there and tell him to do it. But someone has to fucking do it. You're on mute, Matt. Matt, you're, Matt, you're on mute. You're on mute. Uh, just saying, smart move me, uh, that Harvey <laughs> Elliott's not going to give you that option of staying wide on the right-hand side just because he's so left-footed that he's always going to want to cut the ball back in. And that is the one issue I have with Harvey playing on the same side as Mo is that both of them are so left-footed, they're constantly wanting to cut in. And you desperately need that third person making up that triangle, almost always Trent to be overlapping. So when Trent pulls inside, it just leaves this massive vacuum of space on the outside. Uh, yeah, we get through, we get through halftime. I mean, we had the headed chance for Van Dyke. That was pretty much it. United 
I mean, I think at halftime, I saw uh, Rory Fitz in our Telegram group there put up the numbers for Rasmus Hoyland. He had four touches of the ball uh, in the first half. I believe they had one touch in our penalty area. United created absolutely nothing, but they did what they needed to do. They weathered the storm. They turned us around on kickoff, winning the toss. They made us attack the cop in the first end. They weathered the storm. They got in nil-nil at halftime. All was good for them. Uh, we came out of the blocks pretty quick in the second half. Uh, Trent had one of his two chances, gets played in. Simicast crosses it. Mo lays it off to Trent. He takes an extra touch or two before putting it into the side. Then he probably should have shot first time. And then 55 minutes, I put this down because I think he deserves the credit uh, for how well he played in the defensive side of the game. Trent Alexander-Arnold makes an incredible challenge. Uh, I don't know if you remember this one. Goldie, yeah. uh, Mainu plays plays through Garnacho, and yeah. he's just getting the ball sorted out of his feet. And for a uh, right back who cannot defend and is an absolute liability, that is a hell of a tackle from Trent. No, it was, and it was a, a massive highlight because you've also skipped. We started brightly, went on the attack, and they then came back. We ended up with the ball, and for three minutes, we passed across our back four. I've watched it. I was going, this can't keep going on. I know it's a tactical game. I know football is played way beyond the level that exists in my head. But for three minutes, which we could have done at the end of the game with a bit of momentum, we passed it back and forth, about 19 passes going nowhere. But yeah, going back to Trent, it was a fantastic run uh, to track all the way back. All his head must have been roaring at him to put his hands on him or make a drag because there was plenty of jersey pulling going on in that game. And uh, yeah, he gets the foot in, and but it, it still shifted the momentum. They started kind of believing from that point on. But yeah, kudos to uh, Trent. Uh, but we should have never been in that position. And I know, like it's a they they did put up a bank of seven, and then keeper eight. It's just one of those frustrating days. And the more you, you kind of read further and further into it, uh, it, it it should have never happened. But he he was alert. And it was a gun, gut-busting, lung-busting run and perfectly timed interception on the ball because he was setting up and uh, he still had to score. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a big moment. But it didn't seem to kick us on. That's the only mm. thing. That, the crowd lifted and then died again. And then just, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was kind of the same for the crowd in the first half and the second half where, you know, the start of the half, up jubilant the team was kind of trying to take it to them and then after 10-15 minutes it all just settles down and everybody sits back down again and the songbook gets put away until the team does something to get them back up again uh ring, come the hour kev come the changes Gakpo and gomez come on for gravenberg and saw the sly neither of them had very good games. I would say out of the two, Gravenberch and Sabasly, I thought Gravenberch offered a little bit more. He was kind of, he was busy in the first half, popping up here, there, and everywhere. But uh, Sabasly, maybe just too many games. I don't know. I thought both of them were poor. Um, I didn't think either of them offered too much. Um, they were very meh. And you're looking at a, it was a case of how is he going to get him off and make the changes without having to rip the midfield apart. And, you know, he managed to do it with the Cody Gakpo into midfield, which I think, oh, I'm sick of saying it. I think it's his best position um, 
in the eight, um, and Joe Gomez comes on. Look, I don't know what it, it could be a lack of football, it could be you know, first season, you know, you've had your big up, you come down, you level off, and you find your level, and it's fine. They're gonna get they're gonna improve the more they play, and we know that. We've seen flashes of what they're capable of doing. It didn't work out for them today. Shit happens. It's football. You know, you get games like that in your career. You get periods of in in your career where you go through a few months and it's just shite. But you you need your mates around you to to bail you out. And in the majority of times they have this season. It's just today it it didn't happen. But like I said at the beginning of the show, I never for one second thought that we were going to be in a position where we might lose this. You know, um, I thought we dominated the ball and the game and controlled the pace of it. Unfortunately, we controlled the pace of it and the pace of it was a bit too slow. Yeah. And a lot of that is, comes down to the midfield three. I thought Endo did okay. Um, he got it and gave it simple. Um, broke out the play when he needed to. Took the foul when he needed to. I thought his yellow card was a yellow card. There was uh, another in other games, you know, other referees overreact to stuff like that. Um, it didn't. It was a high foot, but he was definitely pulling out. There was no intent to go yeah. through him or anything. And Amberback goes down his head, card. which makes it look like a exactly. non. I mean, at the end of the day, it's always going to get checked with VR. There was a few VR checks today, but. <laughs> Oh, I cannot yeah, wait to we'll get on to him for sure. We'll, yeah, we'll get on to him because that's uh, it's easily the highlight from the game. Uh, I mean, Goldie, we come up to kind of the fun part of the game, which I would put it about after we make the first draft of substitutions until we make our second set of two substitutions. Uh, Mo, the patience that Mo Salah shows to tee up Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, making a full Stevie G run to get into the edge of the box. And he puts it just wide. I mean, Onana was never going to get there in a hundred years. It's just the wrong side of the post. And then Manchester United have their only chance of the game. I don't know what the XG stats came out from this game, but all of Manchester United's XG for the game would have been in the 67th minute. Uh, Hoyland, no, McTominay. No point six three, no point six three, and it was yeah. that one chance. Jeez. Yeah, I mean. Rasmus Hoyland, very quiet throughout the game. I mean, if we think we're having issues with Darwin Nunes being uh, number nine to lead the team, Manchester United, is as jubilant as their fans will be after coming away from Anfield with a nil-all draw, they've also got some serious concerns about this guy. He gets through, and it's our prerequisite Allison talk. He's, yeah. he's the fucking man. He's just the best. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I never disagree with Kev. Never a good move, particularly after a few beers on a Sunday. But uh, I wasn't as confident that they weren't going to sneak something. I thought they had a couple of counters where on the angle that was being shown on Sky, there was there was five white jerseys getting ahead and we were looking like three with two retreating. So I, yeah. wasn't, I was never that confident. Like, I'm not saying... I'm just mean in that situation, anybody thinks yeah, quickly no, and gets it under control, who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, Alison, for having, I don't know what you got in your WhatsApp group. There's a great photo going around pre game, which is Alison sitting on a wooden seat having a cigarette and goal, which was going to sum up his game, sitting there doing nothing. And that's pretty much what he had to do. And when it came to it, yeah, 
He made himself big and the thump off his chest. If they're not X-raying for a cracked rib, I don't know. But he also got the second ball. So, no. Allison. I love the imagery there, Goldie, of uh, Allison quickly kicking a wooden chair away and throwing a cigarette to the side. Well, he makes himself big and then going and he wouldn't throw off, it to the side. Off of the nah, he yeah. stands it. He, he stands it up on its end and he goes back and picks it up after. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. That, that's actually... I'm looking at the stat. I'm looking at the stat here for Allison, right? And it's got his foot mob rating six point nine, ninety minutes played, saves two out of one. 200 percent 200 saves so he got he got two saves from the hoyland chance for collecting yeah. the rebound i guess oh yeah because yeah. it comes off hoyland's thigh when it kind of bobbles up yeah. after yeah. the original yeah. save it's it, it, accurate pa- when you compare the two right allison's accurate passes 35 out of 37 uh, bear in mind a lot some of those he went long as well you know what i mean his his distribution today is accurate long balls 50 percent two out of four <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's uh, he had one save to make. He had absolutely nothing else to do. Uh, it, he had forty-four touches in total. Most of them were balls that came back to him from from Virgil to just make sure he was still had a pulse. You know, yeah. it was, he, he'll never, ever, ever, ever play against Manchester United and have an easier day than what he's just been through. And a lot of the credit for that. Has to go to how much how we dominated the ball, and we did. And we'll we'll bitch and moan, and we're all pissed off and annoyed at the result, and we're annoyed about how we played in the final third. But we never really gave them a sniff. Every side that comes to Anfield will get chances in games. They had one, and they had one real chance, and it was a terrible miss. All he had to do was get it down on his left foot and curl it around the keeper. I mean, he went straight at him. It, it was just like anywhere but there. He's he's a ridiculous keeper, and a ridiculous keeper makes that save because he's in the he's in the forward's head. He's in the forward's head from a week ago, and he lives there rent free, and he just does it to everyone. You know, the That's... only one I think that he that has a not a hoodoo over him, but the only one I think that isn't afraid of him is Young Min Son. I think Son has this thing where he has this finish when he's through on goal, where he shifts out onto his right foot and he curls it around the keeper and he doesn't give a shit who the keeper is. Everyone else, every forward in the league, Alison Becker is living rent-free in their head. Yeah. And uh, that, he'll, win, he'll win us 10 points this season just for that. He, he probably already has, Kim, already if, we're has. Being, if, if we're being honest, because I saw I saw a highlight compilation of our come from behind wins this season, and it didn't just have the goals. It also had the saves and the defensive plays when we were losing to keep it a one goal game so that we could come back from it. And it was like, I don't know, half a dozen humongous saves by Allison. Yeah. I mean, the save that he makes against Almiron when we're losing already to Newcastle to give us the opportunity to come back and win that game 2-1 is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, cannot pass by this comment from one of our members, Anthony Boylan here, uh, talking about Allison <laughs> sitting on his chair with the cigarette. He says he throws it into the air, makes the save, and then catches it in his mouth. That's, I mean... If that imagery does not sum up how we all feel about our goalkeeper as Liverpool fans, like it's, he's unquestionably the best keeper in the world currently. And he doesn't go and do absolutely stupid shit like Emmy Martinez did at the end of the Aston Villa game today, where he's 
literally trying to rip the jersey off and Neil Mope. It was just that he's calmness, calmness personified. Uh, right around the 70th minute, Goldie, we get a little bit of basketball. Man United have a counter. Virgil van Dyke. I, I'm going to give away my ending here. I, he was my man of the match today. I thought Virgil van Dyke, again, has just looked so much better at the back. There was one scramble. I can't remember when it was late in the second half where the ball was bouncing around in our box and it was shades of the Sancho goal from last season when we went away to Man United and lost 2-1 where Virgil stood off and waited for him to take it. And instead he just stepped out into it. Ball goes down the other end. Onana has a, a save from Mo who fairly weak shot. The rebound goes just past Darwin Nunez. And then before you can even blink, they're back down the other end. McTominay skies it over. Uh, and then I'm not going to lie. 71st minute, Man United make the change. They bring Rashford on for Garnacho, and it was like, he's going to score. Like, it just, that's that's how this game summed up to me. If you're a, a longtime listener of uh, these post-match reaction shows that I've uh, been on, you know that I'm usually sickeningly optimistic when it comes to these games. Like, Against Fulham, like, we're still going to win this game. Against Palace, we're still going to win this game. When it was nil-nil at 70 minutes and they brought Gar- uh, Garnacho off for Rashford, it's like, fuck, we're going we're gonna to lose. We're it. Well, I, did, I, I didn't feel that because um, I thought it was actually more of a gamble, uh, probably more to do with the politics that's going on in the chaos that's uh, United, that uh, he kind of almost had to bring Rashford on. The, 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 the whole Rashford thing is developing its own shitstorm for him. So, uh, no, I thought possibly, if anything, it was going to weaken them. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't be in any great fear of Rashford and whatever's going on in his life and on the pitch. Um, yeah, no, it was just, one of the, like, to go back to Virgil, to give him his dues, and I hate kind of going, oh, such a throwback, throwback. Everybody's getting older, and we're going to have to deal with life at some point where Virgil's not there. But this feels like about three years ago, four years ago. He's back marshalling, barking at people, and everything looks like he's read what's about to happen rather than reacting. He just seems to be getting into position and no panic. And, yeah, I thought he sort of displayed calm throughout the whole game. But if I were to be negative, you've got to kind of think about what he was playing calm against, a team that uh, wasn't really kind of trying to do much. But uh, I wasn't in any great fear of Rashford. Um, I would have... Garnacho has been on a nice little run. Uh, he doesn't generally make 90 minutes. I would have had more fear of him actually having a lucky break or a rebound coming. But uh, no, it, particularly the last 20 minutes, I never kind of thought we're going to do it and we're the kings of late goals. It was just a game that was petering out and it just came down yeah. to let's not lose. Mm. And... Um, I didn't, I didn't, I had no fear about Rashford. Uh, I'd say, I think what was going on there has a lot more to do with what's internally going on at United and saving face. So, no, I had no, no great fear there. Yeah, I mean, Kev, you got to, I mean, up until the red card, I, I don't think there's a whole heck of a lot left in the game to talk about. No, I mean the thing is there was a there was a handball shout. The crowd went up for a handball shout on Luke Shaw. Never, five minutes. never a pen. No, no, it's not. It's not a pen. No, I mean, can you imagine if that went against you? Ball bounced up. Ball bounced up. To, to be in fair, Europe, in Europe, I would have been. 
In Europe, that's a penalty. Yeah, you'd see it. But in the Premier League, they're almost never, ever, ever given. And yeah. It just it's it just felt like yeah Chris you know Chris is right it's like it was either going to be a set piece or you know a mistake it was going to be one or the other. Um, you makes the point there, thirty four shots. I can remember about three shots. Yeah, no, there were a lot of efforts on goal. A lot of them would have been from the corners where we won most of them. You know, we won a lot of corners, but it was headers over the bar. And shots from outside the box that went wider were blocked. You know, I think they blocked 13 shots. So it just tells you how congested they were in the box. It, it's, it was, like I said, it was the most frustrating game I've watched this season for so many different reasons. But I think Jonathan put a stat up, uh, a stat in there earlier on saying it was basically, yeah, 34 shots today, almost twice as many as the 7 0, according to Sam McGuire. But, there were different games, you know, and today, you know, the 7-0 was a case. It was 1-0 at half time, and we were lucky to be ahead. They had two really good chances in the first half and should have been ahead before we scored. Well, here, and, Kev, I'll, uh, let me just interrupt because I saved this comment yeah. from Ashley L, who uh, is always uh, vigilant and getting Klopp's post-match comments up to us, and it goes to yeah. what you're saying. So, Ashley, uh, passing along, Klopp says, I can't remember such a dominant performance against Manchester United. Even in the 7-0, they were more in the game. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Manchester United was, today were garbage. Yeah, they were. And they, that's, that just goes down to intent. They were intent on coming to disrupt and to get a point. And, you know, they got the point. You know, And the thing is, if any Manchester United fan is going online championing that or delighted with that oh, they are it just, it, no but it just goes it just goes to show how far they've fallen because can you imagine united fans during the fergie era being happy to come away from anfield having parked the bus for 95 minutes and just come away with a draw after having two efforts on goal and that's it mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen that just shows you where they are at the minute. They're celebrating. If the, if United fans are celebrating that point and the way and the manner of how they were forced to play, because they had no other choice but to play that way. If that's their highlight of the season, you know, I'd rather be in our position than theirs. Yeah, you know, we're that, bitching that... and moaning and not happy and disappointed about not rattling two or three against. A side who notoriously are a hard side to play, who are our biggest rivals, who bar the odd freak result, generally have had the wood over us for a lot for a, most of our lifetime. You know, for most of the years, most you know, for especially, I suppose, not so much my generation and Chris's generation, but the generation below us, have had the massive wood over over us for a long time. Yeah. And if they're celebrating a draw, that's pathetic. They should, yeah, that's, that's sad. That's, but I, that's, I mean, at the end of the day, sorry, go ahead. Go, it's this Madge Apple said exactly what you're saying. United fans celebrating shows just how far they've fallen. She had that comment in 10 minutes before we went on air. It was one of the very first comments in the stream. Yeah. And I said, you know, they have a right to celebrate because if the shoe was on the other foot, we would be on here going, you know, good defensive performance. You know, if we were the team with up and down form, you know, with who knows what 11 we're going to put out, 
and we go to a ground where we got absolutely shellacked last season and come away with a nil all, we'd be on here virtual high-fiving everybody. But it Mm. does show the change in the attitude of the Manchester United fans. And it's good to see them brought down to earth a little bit. You don't always get to win. Yep. I mean, the thing is, the game petered out. We had the one chance at the end, uh, third minute of injury time. Gakpo had a good header from a free kick where Rashford absolutely scythed down Costas. And there was a few rash tackles going in like that. Not red cards, not red cards, but absolute pure, the purest of yellow cards as you'll ever see in a game. But they're desperation tackles. And, you know, Kodish is six foot three. He's, what, eight yards out from goal? You've got to get over the ball and get that down. You know, and there was a few headers like that throughout the game where they got good contact on the ball, but it went over the top. And it was that was the frustrating thing. Then it just petered out. I mean, at the end of the day, Dallow got sent off and it, it just didn't matter. It was almost like, yeah, you got sent off, but you've just taken two minutes out of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've taken yeah, and two we did, minutes. We did, not and, get those any, two, we did not get those two minutes no, back. Because it's not even the two minutes. It's the momentum that we had built up and the pressure that we'd built up because we were building attack after attack after attack. He got his red card. It was almost like a release valve because they were able to get their foot on the ball and launch it. And that just ended the game then. It finished. And I mean, be, just before the red card, Manchester United had, the I would say, the final chance of the game to find the decisive goal to break the deadlock. And Virgil van Dijk was there yet again. But I mean... Goldie, I'm going to come to you first on this one. And Kev, you can come back in on it if you want to. But this is one of my favorite refereeing things of the entire season. Because I, for one, despise the crying at the referee stuff. And we saw the directive that the PGMOL put out at the start of the season that they were clamping down on dissent. They were clamping down on players rushing towards the official and arguing their cases. It's only supposed to be the captain that goes over and speaks to the ref unless they are spoken to. (laughs) And Trent hoiks the ball way downfield. It's Mo Salah in a race against three Manchester United players. It goes out for a throw-in. And one minute later, Diogo Dallo has two yellow cards for descent, and he is given his walking papers. I, for one, fucking love it. Because he's (laughs) throwing an absolute fit at the referee, and he gets a yellow for descent. And keeps on going, thinking there's no way this guy's going to give me two yellows in 30 seconds for a descent. Um, you, did you like it? Did you hate it? Is that not cricket? Um, I'm going to have to go a little bit bar humbug on you there, Matt. Um, it's a United player. I'm chuffed. But he was right. It was a United throw-in. It did, actually. He didn't kick it out. Uh, and it wasn't he ran at the ref. He just done it. They're at 93 minutes into something that I'm sure they have spent a few days backslapping each other with nettles, taking cold showers and going, we're not losing at Anfield and getting this guy to sack. He can get sacked next week or whatever, but we can't. Uh, I thought the second one, yeah, I you, I know they have the directive, but the, you can, all the football cliches, they're in the enemy's backyard They've just survived 93 minutes of, in truth, dourness. He's probably feeling himself, and he feels hard done by. 
I think there should be like a five second pause from everybody to his reaction. And if he continues into eight seconds, then you get the yellow. I thought it was a bit harsh, but uh, that's the way they're going to ref it. I mean, I would have given. Well, this week, that's the way they're going to ref it this week. I know, but I would have given Gapko a yellow card for not passing to Gomez and nearly making your entire year. When yeah. the only time we had them stretched, and it was the second time Gomez had went in, and uh, Gapko decided. So I think that's a yellow card offense. But uh, yeah, look, um, I think it says everything you need to know about how frustrated and how depressing in a roundabout way, considering all the results that have happened that we're celebrating. Uh, a card that could be actually overturned. I wouldn't be surprised they appeal it. But um, no, yeah. it won't. It, well, it's too yellow, so it won't be yeah, overturned. I they, yeah, I don't think they can. I mean, Kev, am I no. am I out to lunch? Like, it's just for uh, me at least. It's, before you go, like this was the directive. They published it. It got put out by yeah. Sky Sports and all the newspapers that this was how they were going to rep, and they did for the first two weeks, and then they kind of forgot about it. But I didn't forget about it. Like it's dissent. Stop bitching. Be a professional. Like Goldie says. 93 minutes of manful defending and coming out with, you know, this valiantly fought for point. Well, don't lose your head in the 93rd minute. I'll have more respect for Michael Oliver if he does it next week in the 20th minute when someone has a pop-up for, for getting a, a dodgy bucket. Good point. Uh, then I'll have more. I'll I'll have plenty of respect for the referee doing that. I think Dalo was petulant and stupid, but I agree with Chris that I understand why. At the same time, when you watch the highlights, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, watch the highlights of the Brentford Villa game. Not the first half. The first half was played with uh, touchy-feely kumbaya gloves on. Watch the second half. Watch the second half and watch the highlights of the second half and see what Muy see picante. what <laughs> see what kind of uh, referee Coos is when he loses the plot and he just lost the plot, lost control of the game. And it was farcical. And it just goes to show, to me anyway, when you watch two games with two different referees, how different the two games are refereed. I thought Michael Oliver had, you know, had a decent enough game. He, th- he, he let it go as if it's a derby game. He let a lot of tackles go. He punished the, the serious ones rightly with yellow cards. I don't think there was a red card challenge made today. Um, I just think that at the end, it hurt us more than it hurt Manchester United the fact that it killed the momentum in the game and at the end of the day I couldn't care less to be honest you know he's he's missing for a game he'll miss a game but big big whoop I would say I mean I suppose obviously not a United fan the counter argument be Darwin after his first yellow didn't stop and the cameras followed him so I could see if I was a fan of another club going well how was he allowed because he certainly went on and I he's th- done a lot of hand gestures and everything. So I can yeah, see. I, I think it was the angry arm, arm waving more than anything else because he was like arm to the floor, yeah, shouting yeah. and bawling at him, mm. got the book in and kept going. It's just. And kept going. At the end of the day, I just think it's one of them. I think it's petulant and stupid. You look back and you'll think, like, when they're playing next week and he's suspended, you'll be like, can't believe I did that. I didn't yeah. need to do that. But at the same time, if Michael Oliver does it again next week, when another player does it in a game that's not the most watched, tele, you know, the most watched game in Premier League this season or any season, then I'll have more, I'll have respect for him. 
But yeah. I, I don't think he will. That's I, Jonathan's question. I don't know if anybody can find the answer in the few minutes we've got left in our show tonight, but he's wondering, Jonathan's wondering, did uh, Michael Oliver do this with Martinelli too, or was that another rep? Uh, or even the one that Raul Jimenez got, I think that was maybe last year or maybe two seasons ago for Wolves where he got two yellow cards like bang, bang. But I, it's this weird thing because to me, I think Amrabat could have been done. Like if, if Michael Oliver is being fully consistent, when Amrabat gets his yellow card, he commits two effectively yellow card challenges, one right after the other. He commits what's a yellow card tackle and he has running past him and then he does it again. So maybe it's just a Michael Oliver thing. Maybe it's just a Michael Oliver thing. Uh, in, in the game in February 2022, uh, the strangest sending off in Premier League history has been labelled as. Uh, yeah, it was Michael Oliver. Yeah, so it's a Michael Oliver thing. So circle, find <laughs> out what his schedule but that is. Goes and- to, that's, that's down to the coaches and the managers turning around to the players 10 minutes before the game. Know your referee. Know who you're, who's refereeing, knows how, know how they're refereeing, and know what you can and can't get away with. Yeah. Uh, and if you've got a, a referee who's sent players off in the past for dissent, you take your card and you keep your mouth shut and be a good boy for the rest of the game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we're almost out of time. Ashley L., one of our members, is asking, can we chat Darwin for a bit? But we got uh, Gav and the lads coming up here in just yeah. over two hours. So I think Pretty we might leave that. going to go one. deep into that. Yeah, I, I think we might leave that one. I mean, how about just quickly, though, like, Goldie, keep the faith, or is it lost for you with Darwin Nunes? It's not lost, but I'm... It's Strand? It, um, look, we, we also skipped... Now, I on TV, the first angle didn't... It looked like he had a better chance, but when he decided not to go and appeal for Diaz's and the ball was lying loose and the whole goal was open, just seemed to be... He's like a wild child in a, a crash, and I, I think we're all the crash owners, and we're just trying to figure out: Are we allowed at some point to kind of go? Uh, can you find another crash? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's a he's. I want him to work. I really want him to work. I'm yeah. just starting to get a bit lost about. How and like it all started so well, link up play and everything recently has been really, really good. And I don't know what it is the last three games or thereabouts. It all just, and I'm not saying chaos, I know that drives everybody. It just looks all a little bit mad. It's like, I don't know, whatever they talk about and whatever they're meant to be doing, he he can keep his attention to it for about 15 minutes. And then after Mm -hmm. that, it's just like, where's Darwin gone? Oh, he's out playing in the traffic. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, look, he's a Liverpool player. And even Thiago today was sitting there looking like Grandpa Grinch. They're Liverpool players. I'll follow them till they leave the club. But um, I don't know. I think the front three today, it's a hard to turn around and say, looking forward to seeing January with them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm hoping it's just... Are you, look, we, we can drive ourselves mad. We, you know, oh, his second season at every club and everything. And we want them to win. And, you know, all of that. But it, it's just, it doesn't seem to be happening. And now yeah. even... Crazy hitting crossbars are bad decisions. Today, I don't recall a chance he had. And the one time that it felt like run and worry about knowing that there's VAR, knowing everything will be checked anyway, just make an attempt to get to that ball, even to pull it back. And he just stopped, turned around and done the most Darwin Nunes thing ever, where you just went, what? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So I know I, I I'm not saying I have the faith. I want it to work. Yeah. And what about you, Kev? Are you uh, you with Goldie? I'm kind of probably about the same. I I mean, Liverpool player, back him to the hilt, want them to succeed. I've got him in my friggin' fantasy team for the last like 10 game weeks in a row, and he's got me about minimum number of points. Are you more towards Jonathan, who uh, never had faith in him and thought he was a complete waste of money and a total flop before he ever kicked the ball for us? How do you feel about no. Darwin Nunes, Kev? He's lucky Jota's not fit. Yeah. Um, that's the truth. And yeah. the thing is, there's clearly talent there, but he's got to pull his finger out of his arse and start either contributing one way or another, creating chances, creating space for others, or taking chances of scoring goals himself. You've seen what he's capable of with the two goals he scored against Newcastle. He's got that in his locker, but... More often than not, the sides that we're going to play in a season, the vast majority of them will be like Manchester United today, will not leave you space to run in behind. You'll have to do something to make the space yourself. And he's not going to be replaced anytime soon, but this is an important season for him for sure hmm. because a decision might have to be made on him in the summer if he's not offering enough. Because it's not so much the transfer fee that we paid for him. He's not on peanuts. He's on yeah. decent money. So he ha we've had forwards at the club before, even with Bobby, where he's gone through games, lots of games, you know, good periods of a season where he hasn't scored. But just by him being on the pitch was an occupier for centre-backs and allowed others to play off him and play around him. He's not offering that either. None so, of that today. None. I, th oh. I think he, I definitely think he's not being helped by this way that we're trying to build through the middle. That isn't helping him, you know, but look, I was just reading a, a quote here from Klopp uh, talking to BBC five live. It's tough period. We play Wednesday against West Ham. They're firing. They're flying, playing really well at the moment. Then we have Arsenal and Burnley. It's horrendous. We have to make sure we get enough points in this period, but there's a lot of football to play after that too. It's important we get through this with as many players as possible. So in the back of Klopp's mind, he's thinking rotation, squad management. Managing minutes, fitness, yeah. Managing minutes. Get through this period, January, you know, till the end of January and see where the lay of the land lies and then go from there. Yeah. So... Look, well, hey, we is. don't even need to wait till the end of January, Kev, because we're fastly approaching what is 8 p.m. your time. And at 10 p.m., we're going to have four uh, other guys on here to having had a couple of more hours to sit and digest this whole thing. And I hope everybody in the chat, I don't even need to hope that everybody in the chat, I know that the people in the chat with these questions will be uh, in the uh, in the YouTube ch chat before uh, Gav even takes the show live tonight with the same questions, because you know how it works on these Sunday game days. We come on, we kind of go through the game a little bit more minute by minute and the major talking points. And then the, the lads come on at the 10 p.m. Sunday night show and talk about things in more overarching uh, themes. So Darwin Nunez, Luis Diaz, Mo Salah, Dominic Sabasly, these are all things that are going to come up. Almost certainly there'll be some waxing lyrical about Allison and Virgil van Dyke as well too. Almost at the hour, boys. Quickly, Goldie, man of the match for Liverpool. Um, 
it's obviously Virgil van Dijk, but I actually liked what Endo was trying to do. He didn't always manage it, but he actually looked like one of the players trying to get a bit of momentum going. So Correct to disagree answer. with you, I'm going to go with Endo. Kev? Yeah, it's Virgil. Um, I can't look past him. He was solid as the day is long. His distribution was really good. And everything defensively he was asked to do, he did it as good as you'd expect him to do. Um, gave us a really good platform to play out from and to build from. And, you know, on another day, he scores a brace, you know. So yeah. it is what it is. He was really good. But from, you know, the front five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, uh, not, not so good. Not so good. Yes, uh, full house there for Virgil Van Dyke. I would also give a shout out to uh, other guest on this show, Chris Brack's favorite, uh, not real scouser. Yeah, Costas did all right. Yeah, Costas Simicassi did everything he needed to do defensively. I thought all all of us defensively did very very well today. It's just going forward was just so absolutely blunt and pathetic and didn't put one in, one of the most shaky keepers in the entire league under any amount of pressure whatsoever. But positives, positives. I did share some positives here. Uh, Red Hiker, we've been woeful for the last four league games and we have 10 points. So that's a positive. And I think the biggest positive, Madge Apple. And again, this goes to Chris Brack. Huge, huge victory today for the LFC women, 2-1 over Manchester United. So in the combined men's and women's derbies, we come out with four points. They come out with one point. So we can take that as uh, somewhat of a consolation for us this week. But, hey, yeah. that's been all of our full-time reaction show. We've already gone over the hour, so I'm going to get docked pay by Gav now for doing that once again this week. We, hey. thought we'd struggle. we thought we'd struggle to fill 15 minutes, and we've already done 61 and a half already, <laughs> as what happens every single time. Uh, anything else before we go, gentlemen? Yes. Oh, good, mate. Oh, what you got, Goldie? What you got? Genuinely, some people like Christmas, some people don't. I want to wish everybody a great Christmas. And if you need to take it easy, take it easy. Look after yourselves. In case I don't see you before, Merry Christmas, everybody. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, have a great Monday. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love that sentiment to finish off. Yes, because I don't know if we'll see any of you guys. I definitely will because I'll be on the match reaction show midweek against West Ham and then next Saturday against Arsenal, which now all of a sudden is a massive fucking game. Oh, yeah. A massive a game. One. At least yeah, they'll come yeah. and play. At least they'll come and play. That's a big difference. They'll come and play. So we'll find out what yeah. we're about. Yeah. So that's the one that's going to be an absolute ding dong. But on behalf of Goldie, on behalf of Kev O'Sullivan and myself, your host, Drink. Matt, Drink. I hope everybody's got a beautiful run up to Christmas planned. I know I'm on vacation. I'm pretty sure, Kev, you're also on vacation now. So Coming enjoy yourself. A couple of more days. There you go. Well, you'll get there in the end. Enjoy yourselves. We'll see everybody back here in about three hours and 10 minutes and join Gavin and the lads for the Sunday night. Run up to Christmas means one thing, as the boss man said, cans. And that's what's important. <laughs> finishes, nil, finishes nil all at Anfield. Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil in what was an absolutely awful game. But thanks for joining us. Please hit the thumbs up like button on your way out and join us again for the Sunday night show in a couple hours. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.